important that nurses have a voice at the table to drive that business decision. Nurses who are doing the work every day have great insights about things that, that could make their process better, things that can make the member experience better. We, all, all of us collectively as a community, need to continue to, to speak up, voice our clinical expertise. This is Kathy Driscoll, Chief Nursing Officer at Humana. Welcome to The Voice of Humana Nurses, a podcast about clinicians committed to improving lives. Join me, other nurses from Humana, and special guests as we discuss topics nurses care about. Hi, this is Kathy Driscoll, Chief Nursing Officer at Humana, and today's episode is extra special. It's a reunion episode of sorts. My guests today are the pioneers and founding leaders of Humana's Nursing Collaborative. We sometimes call this group the founding nursing mothers. So with me today are three nurses who are nurse leaders and influencers in our organization. We have Laura Hatfield, Associate Vice President, Care Management and Clinical Leader of Humana's Enterprise Clinical Operating Model Clinical Strategy. Sandy Spitali, who's the Director of Strategy Advancement with our Transformation Management Office and Sherry Dillon, Associate Vice President, Humana at Home Care Management. It's been four years since the early visioning of what's now a vibrant nursing and clinical collaborative. And my guests who are with us today have been really instrumental in helping to inform and lead the essential work of establishing a foundation for our clinical community of practice and in driving initiatives, building capabilities that grow the influence and impact of our clinical communities. So welcome back to the Voice of Humana Nurses, Laura, Sandy, and Sherry, and thank you so much for being my guests today. So before we get into the conversation, we always like to know a little bit more about our guests, get to know them personally, and you all have been with us before, so we have some tidbits about you. Um, but we'd like to know a little more. Laura, you've been a guest on this podcast before, and you know that we always like to know new things about those who appear on our show, new facts about our guests. We know that you're an avid climber and you like to travel. What else would you like to share with our listeners about you and what you're doing these days? Yeah. Hey, Kathy. So, Laura Hatfield here. So, uh, still, still a nurse. Still a mom of three millennial children, and then most recently, my three kids now all have new puppies. So I kid myself and say, gosh, now I have three grandpups. It doesn't quite compare to having grandchildren like you, Kathy and Sandy, but hey, it still makes me very happy. Um, not been doing too much travel. I, there's a thing called COVID. <laughs> so I haven't been doing much climbing or traveling, but it's interesting during uh, during this time of really kind of being at home, um, I started to do um, knitting and crocheting again. It just uh, actually was my daughter's idea. She said, hey, mom, do you know how to knit? Do you know how to crochet? And sure enough, I said, yeah, actually, yes, I do. And bought a new crochet needle, bought some yarn. So here I go with a new, a new hobby in my, uh, my pandemic time, Kathy. Keeps, it keeps things fresh, right? It's supposed to be good for the brain to start new things. So um, we'll be looking to see pictures of what you do. And I think that your grand dogs are the first step there. You'll have grandbabies before you know it. And I know oh, that Sandy and I can recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Sandy, 
why don't you tell our listeners a little, a few tidbits about what you're up to now? Wow, you know, well, good afternoon, everyone. And, you know, it's amazing to think about during this time of such change when I thought about what have I been doing now. And I think the first thing that came to my mind is I've been trying to get outside, um, trying to make sure that I break up that monotony of working in the home all day. Um, I find I'm working longer hours um, because of COVID and not having somewhere else to go, maybe after work. So what I've been doing outside, number one, my husband and I uh, found a walking path we didn't really know existed near our home on um, a large lake. And so we actually go to the walking path. Uh, we did that during the early months of the quarantine. Now it's gotten really hot in New Orleans. But even through the heat, I am an avid gardener. So you guys may not have known that about me, but uh, pick that up from my grandmother, the love of being outside in the dirt and having my hands dirty and planting beautiful flowers. And so now it's trying to keep everything I've planted alive in the heat. But um, I wound up, I think one of the things COVID did give me was an absolutely beautiful garden because I had so much time to spend outside. That's great. I've been noticing around me, I do not have a green thumb, but I admire everyone else's and um, the hydrangeas are especially beautiful around here. The past couple of months, I've enjoyed seeing them. So I admire everybody else who has wonderful gardens. I think it's a good segue. Um, you know, I just really want to start off by acknowledging that our world the ways that we work, the ways that we live and interact have been impacted in, in ways that we never could have imagined. COVID-19 and the pandemic has really, um, you know, impacted us in, in every aspect of our life. Um, and I, I think that we've all felt not only the impacts in our routines, but also on our physical and emotional state. And, you know, we often talk about the importance of self-care of belonging, of caring for one another. And, you know, one of the ways to do that is through communities like our nursing community. Um, so one way that we can continue to support um, and advance the impact of our community is to continue to create opportunities um, that emphasize self-care and the importance of self-care, your well-being um, with our nurses, with our other clinicians. And you've described how many of our normal routines and the way we might care for ourselves have been disrupted and new ones have emerged. Um, Sandy, you know, you talked about the walking path and the gardening. Are there some other helpful tips that you might share with our listeners um, about self-care and things that you found that are really important that maybe you didn't have time for or didn't think about before? Yeah, you know, you know, Kathy, during some of those times when I'm out walking, um, I found both my husband and I were really drawn to talk to strangers, people we didn't know. And when I say that, um, it could be on our way to the walking path, walking through the neighborhood and seeing people that we've seen for years, but we've never stopped to talk to. And, um, and so I found that it was, we were both naturally drawn to talk to people. I think part of it was because of the isolation, but I think the benefit of doing that 
was just um, really amazing to both my husband and I. Number one, we met new people in our neighborhood we had never taken the time to meet before. And, and they probably felt the same way. We could feel their reaction to us. They were just as happy to meet us. Um, so we formed new friendships. Um, and I think we also formed that sense of, um, I guess, community um, and that, that we were all feeling that same sense of uh, belonging and but also needing outreach to others. Um, and when I think about our, my husband and I, you know, meeting new neighbors and, and talking and meeting new friends, I think it was also a way uh, of telling my story, sharing, you know, there were days that I was um, absolutely happy in the isolation and I was getting my work done and my, you know, maybe things I didn't get to in years I was getting done around my home um, because I didn't have other things drawing me outside of my home. But on the other hand, I had days that I was really sad. And um, as you said earlier, I have two grandchildren. One of them was born right before the uh, COVID crisis. And so my, um, my children really believed in, you know, the quarantine and all of our family members not getting together. So I went weeks and weeks and, you know, into months of not seeing my grandchildren. And so those days of being sad were tough. Um, I found I'm, sometimes I'm not a person to always share with people you know, when I'm feeling down, but I did feel um, during COVID, I was much more um, talkative about feeling sad. And, um, and it was really interesting because when I would share those feelings with others, and it would be some of these new neighbors I had met of saying, you know, wow, it, it's just today's not a good day. I'm feeling down. I haven't seen the grandkids in, you know, eight weeks. Um, the neighbors would, you know, maybe share a story of how they were feeling as well. And so that support that you could get from others that you really didn't even know that well, that really got me through it. I think it was just sharing my emotions being real, recognizing them, and um, being able to uh, somewhat like a release to get them out really was beneficial to me. And I find now, um, you know, I, I was talking with my husband the other day, we're kind of having to kind of revert back into some of the phase one um, you know, ways of living, not going out as much, really wearing masks that's mandated here in our city, um, and being a bit more cautious about letting down our guard. And, um, and so I know I'm going to need those opportunities to share those feelings again, because I could feel some of those um, sad feelings starting to come back again, you know, and that feeling of I'm missing things and things I really want and desire to do. And, um, so I'm concerned and I don't want to let myself get there again. So I think talking and being honest with my emotions is important. That's great advice. It, it really, um, you know, I think we're not naturally creatures that are isolated for the most part. And um, it, it's great that you found um, another community uh, to share with too, and, and you can be a support to one another. So Laura, you know, we, as when we get together, we often reflect back and, you know, thinking back to 2016, the very early days of what's now our very thriving community of practice, our, our uh, nursing community at Humana. Um, when you think back to that time and um, your goals and hopes for, you know, what, what we wanted to build and what we wanted to stand for, 
can you share a little bit about, you know, what you were hoping we'd achieve and some of your top memories from those early days? Well, number one, it's hard to believe it's been four years. <laughs> I can't believe when you're like 2016, I had to think about that one. But actually, at the end of 2016, <laughs> December 7th to be exact, our founding nurse leaders, we got together and we said, we need to create a vision board. We need to create what's their strategy going to look like for the next you know, few years. And so it was actually a pretty cool exercise. So rather than just, you know, sitting in a room and just talking about it, we actually put up um, a blank board. Think of it as like a news headline. It was like a, a big giant newspapers. And if you think about news stories, there's cover stories, there's headlines, there's quotes, there's images. I wasn't a, a real believer of that exercise because I was thinking, what? I'm cutting out pictures from magazines and, you know, trying to create a newspaper. But it actually turned out to be a very good exercise because it made us start thinking about our strategy moving forward as the broader nursing collaborative. And so I actually snapped a picture of our work. And what's amazing to me as I look at the pictures is how the broader nursing collaborative has achieved um, most or, or, or on track for achieving most of the goals that we outlined. So let me read to you some of the headlines. <laughs> let me pull up the pictures on my phone. So, you know, imagine this in a big conference room, like big poster, uh, post, poster board, if you will, that looks like a giant newspaper. But some of our um, headlines were Humana Nurses Revolutionize the Healthcare Industry. Humana voted number one best place to work. When there is a decision to be made, nurses are at the table. Humana Nurse appointed by president to lead board for health and human services. Humana Nursing Research leads uh, leads the gold standard of care in the home. Humana's implemented nursing education program. Humana members 25% healthier in 2020 due to programs driven by nursing population. Humana awarded ANA Center of Excellence designation. Let me read some other ones. I mean, this is just, it's just amazing. Humana nurses raising the bar on professional development. Humana sponsored 500 nursing scholarships in 2025. One dream, one screen. Um, healthy nurses lead to healthy members. I love this one. Stress-free work zone um, creates improved health and performance. And, and then just, just one more. Nurses spoke, we listened. Isn't that cool, Kathy and Sandy? I mean, it's just um, yeah. I'll probably forever keep this little headline thing because it really does show um, how your vision can come to life. And even back then in 2016, we, didn't, we did not have a chief nursing office organization. I mean, literally it felt like four nurses in, in a bus <laughs> trying to <laughs> promote or create our community, you know, grassroots efforts, no budget. So if you, re if you reflect back, you know, like from four years ago, it, it's amazing what Humana nurses have, have accomplished. Yeah, no, it's great memories. And when you brought that picture out um, at a meeting we were having in December of last year, and then I think it was Amy Ryan said, I still have the, you know, the big paper poster board things. Um, and it's actually in my office that I haven't been in in four months now in New York. But it, it really, like, I think we, we both got, like, a, we all got a little teary. Um, about that and so proud of you guys and all you've contributed and so proud of our community. So thanks for sharing that. 
So Sherry, how about you? Can you share some of the best memories that you have from our early days, thinking back to 2016? What, what were some of your goals and hopes for our community? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it is hard to imagine that it was four years ago. It seems like, it seems like in some ways just yesterday, but also we've gotten so much done that sometimes it seems like longer. But high, at the highest level, I think, you know, advancing clinical practice at Humana was probably front and center. And with, you know, the understanding that that would translate into improved clinical outcomes, for our members, and then also making Humana a place of a workplace of choice for nurses, so that they could grow and develop, and then also thinking about taking care of people who care for our members, so improving health and well-being of our nurses. And I think that the work that we did it was a great example of not letting perfect be the enemy of good, because we started out with no formal org structure, no budget. And yet, we did not let that become a barrier to helping us, you know, make progress. That's a good point. And those are some really good memories, too. I do remember that. No budget. Um, we uh, found some money wherever we could. Um, and I think one of the, the great things was we had big ambitions. Um, so those are really great points. Laura, what makes you most proud to be a nurse at Humana and a member of our nursing community? I just reached my 33rd work anniversary at Humana. So can you believe that? So I've literally grown up at Humana, like professionally. So what makes me so proud to be a Humana nurse is all the various roles I've held at Humana. It's really allowed me and continues to allow me to leverage. It's just a combination of your clinical skills, your business and operational skills, leadership skills. So, I mean, I, I just think like what organization allows a nurse to be able to thrive in so many different roles and, and departments and organizations. So I, I think one of the things, like I said, very proud to be part of Humana is just the ability for Humana to offer that wide, wide range of possibilities for clinicians. And of course, the trick is always on a personal level, you know, are you willing to take that risk? You know, are you willing to not be afraid to pursue something that's very, very new to you? Um, and sometimes when you do that, it does offer a, a greater challenge and opportunity, allows you to grow professionally. Right, and I think uh, all four of us have um, kind of taken the opportunity to make a leap at one point or another in our Humana journey to kind of be the rookie in the room. <laughs> um, I think in so many ways, we're, you know, we're used to being the expert, but, but really taking that leap is, it's scary. It's scary and um, it also really helps to expand and I think also helps um, to sharpen your vision around where your, where your passion is and, you know, what you want to do next in your career too. So, very well said. Sandy, you know, we talked about when Laura was reading some of the things from the vision board, um, one that always stuck with me was when there's a decision to be made, new models of care being created, um, or, or new, you know, prioritization at the company, we want to make sure that there's um, a nurse at the table, that the voice of nursing is at the table. Could you talk a little bit about why you think it's important to have clinical input into decisions and, you know, what's the criticality of that? And I know you're um, in your current role, you're involved in a lot of the new models as is 
as is Laura too, um, but talk a little bit about the importance of clinical input. Yeah, you know, Kathy, I think as a clinician and, and looking at what nurses can bring to the table, you know, in such a large enterprise like Humana, I really sit back and think about it's important for us as clinicians to make sure we're meeting whatever the, and I'm gonna call them patients, um, because that's what many nurses call them, but they are our patients, even though we know they're also our members. Um, and so as a clinician, when you think about what does a patient need or what does a member need, and truly I think whatever business model or whatever new clinical model that we're trying to stand up through our organization, um, I think you need to have that focus of what does that patient or member need. Um, we are here to, you know, really assure that these patients have and members have lifelong well-being. And so it's critical that you have that, that clinical input to what drives, um, you know, a lifelong well-being or what drives the well-being of those members. And so thinking about, you know, I think our members want us to be relevant to what is the current clinical practices and standards and the, and the barriers maybe they're facing in the um, healthcare arena today. Um, I think when we look at when we create um, healthcare benefits or plan designs, we need to make sure that we are current on the clinical situations and the clinical uh, arena that is out there in the healthcare industry. And I think last but not least, I think our providers um, are also looking to assure that we're creating clinical business models that they can align to. And so I think the rapidly changing clinical atmosphere that we're seeing in healthcare today is really requiring that clinical guidance and input, uh, whether it be from nurses, um, physicians, or other healthcare professionals. I think it's important that nurses have a voice at the table to drive that business um, decision. Sorry. Can you talk a little bit about where you think we have the most opportunity to continue to leverage our clinical communities? How do we get a clinical viewpoint on new care models, um, on new ways of working, and what types of, of development or support for professional development do you think that our clinician workforce might need in those scenarios? Yeah, I think that's a great question because I think, you know, the, the shorter answer is that we need the nursing voice in all of those areas. And I think it's an, an, it's, it's an important role that the leader plays is to create forums so that we can listen to the voices of our nurses. They have great insights to share. And so uh, things like the challenges, unique challenges our members are facing, those that are emerging as well as those that are ongoing problems, challenges with, challenges with the healthcare delivery system, you know, where we've got um, providers who maybe are at capacity in certain areas. We don't have enough skilled nursing facilities. You know, we're having trouble moving patients through the continuum. And then process improvement opportunities. So nurses who are doing the work every day have great insights about things that, that could make their process better, things that could make the member experience better. So there's a couple of areas that we're working on now that are in flight now that I think are doing a great job of listening to the voice of the nurse. And one of those is ECOM, the feasibility pilot with the multidisciplinary care team. 
So that's um, very interactive where there's direct feedback coming from the clinicians involved in that, that multidisciplinary care team. And then the other one is Ecom Accelerate, which is something that's being launched now with Humana at Home and Retail. And within that, um, one of the things that was done first was launched a soft pilot with about 50 frontline care managers to actually start doing the work. And through that work, they were able to share really valuable feedback about how to inform the process, make adjustments to the assessment and the workflow, so that when we roll out to the full team, which is actually training is happening as we speak, um, we, we would have some of that insight incorporated into it. The other area, Kathy, that I wanted to just add into is um, as far as professional development, I think peer sharing and support for professional development advances the whole community because we've seen lots of examples where nurses start working on advanced degrees, certifications, and they really become advocates for advancing professional development. They start mentoring other nurses and helping people see a path to, to going back to school that maybe they didn't see before. So they show people what's possible, and it helps the other nurses think about their own goals and how they can accomplish them. I, I love um, the examples that you gave, and I always am really encouraged and so proud of our nursing community for the support that they provide um, for one another, whether it's answering questions, providing feedback, encouragement, subject matter expertise. Um, we, we just see that all the time and, you know, also really do want to emphasize in your area and some of the areas you've collaborated with, just setting up those forums where you can really get feedback from the frontline, feedback from frontline uh, leaders, um, just not assuming things but validating or getting guidance from the folks who are really doing the work there. So those are some really great examples. Thank you. Sandy, where do you think the, the biggest opportunities are for us to continue to leverage our um, nursing collaborative, our clinical communities to influence uh, new models um, and maybe tie into that a little bit about the professional development um, needs that our, our workforce, our clinician workforce has to be able to support that? You know, my, my opinion of where the most opportunity, you know, to leverage our influence, Kathy, is really around the changing healthcare environment. Um, I think we, um, we are all experiencing, whether we're clinicians or non-clinicians, we can all say that we've experienced changes in healthcare. And even this COVID crisis has um, really changed what that healthcare setting looks like to us. So I think, you know, where we have the most opportunity is really around how do we manage our population um, when they're receiving most of their care now outside of the traditional settings that we're used to. So we see more Patients um, are receiving maybe one-day services, and then they're sent home to recover. Um, or we're seeing that procedures are done in physician offices uh, um, or even through telehealth-type visits where our members um, need support after that procedure's done or they need the support maybe after that televisit to really understand what the doctor said to them or the nurse practitioner said to them. So I think for me it's um, – 
how do we assess the changing healthcare climate? How do we um, support the needs of patients outside of what we traditionally saw as inpatient facilities? And then how are we going to also, I would think, support their caregivers? Um, I think as we uh, have more patients being cared for in the home um, or through non-traditional methods of uh, healthcare, um, I think we're gonna have to uh, really bring that caregiver into the conversation to support especially the aging population. Right, right, the whole system thinking. Laura, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, in terms of um, leveraging our clinical communities and influence the clinical models, I mean, it really has direct um, impact to the work that I've been involved with, um, particularly ECOM, the Enterprise Clinical Operating Model. So, you know, all of last year, they actually assembled a small clinical team, multidisciplinary. So we had three nurses, a couple physicians, a PharmD, and we worked as a very small team to develop the, the uh, population um, care model cohorts for econ for Medicare. So to me, right there was really kind of a, a good example of Humana um, trusting clinicians to, to develop the work. Um, and what we've done throughout that process, so although we had this, this small team developing the care models, we also leverage, um, for example, the CNO, the Social Services Advisory Council, the Nursing Collaborative. We've gone to our retail partners, home solutions, commercial. I mean, we've really reached out to all the various specialties to help us in that creation of the care model. So although I say we, you know, assembled a small team, we made sure that we had connections to all the various um, clinical communities within the organization. So I think we, we need to continue to do that. Even though we've created care models, that doesn't mean it's one and done. I think we need to continue to leverage, like I said, social services advisory council, the greater nursing collaborative, I mean, all the different business segments. I think it start, it's really important to start learning, um, Sandy, what you've said, like all the things that are occurring in the home and how we're transitioning more to delivering care in different settings, you know, outside of the usual settings of physician offices and facilities and hospitals. So I think that's the space where we, all, all of us collectively as community, need to continue to, to speak up, <laughs> voice our opinion, voice our clinical expertise, and, and I think we'll continue to have an opportunity to do that moving forward at Humana. Right, and I think that's been a different, you know, somewhat different way of working um, is to involve, really involve this collaborative um, clinical effort um, from the beginning and really drive that way. So, you know, it's really exciting and I agree with both of you. It's, uh, things still evolve, you know, nothing in healthcare is static, nor should it be. And we as clinicians need to take that responsibility to always be learning and evolving ourselves um, as, as healthcare evolves. We wanna drive it. We don't wanna be just responders to it. So really good advice. Sherry, um, you know, we have a relatively new framework that's being worked on in the organization um, called human care. And the goal is really that this creates a framework for the way that we work. And I think the words really resonate with our clinical communities. Um, nursing is so highly tied to purpose. Um, caring and connection to those that we care for is so foundational to our profession. 
Can you talk a little bit about um, your reaction to that type of a framework and what human care might mean to you and, and how we practice? Yeah, I, I think that it does resonate to nurses because it's what we do. I think everybody would say that it's what nurses do. Um, nurses have such a strong sense of purpose for taking care of the whole person, which we know goes far beyond their immediate medical needs, but starts to tap into psychosocial, social determinant of health-related needs. And it really centers on building a trusting relationship with members and assessing the member's holistic situation. And once we do that, we can determine the right support that they need, how we can surround them with resources to really meet those needs. So I know um, what's been extremely rewarding over the past, now is it four months, that particular since COVID started, um, we've seen so many examples of nurses helping members remove barriers so that they could comply with their treatment plan. And, you know, I know people are much more open with nurses, so they're much more likely to open up and share their questions or challenges with nurses than they do with other health professionals, and particularly their physicians. And um, they feel really safe to do that, and I think nurses are uniquely positioned to then come in and help them solve those problems and, and find the resources that they need. So right, and some really great examples that we've seen of um, caring. Um, it, it really, um, I think the work is, um, can be difficult at times, and if you don't have that foundational caring, you don't have that connection, um, you also don't get the rewards there. So I think that as a profession and as a community, um, it'll be really important for, for our nurses to continue to give input, um, and Bruce has invited us to do so into the framework for human care. What does it mean about how we show up, how we practice, how we relate with one another? So another great example. Thank you, Sherry. So it's been really exciting and, you know, it's great to take a, a little bit of a walk down memory lane and it really continues to inspire me for the future. You know, four years ago, we had this vision. Um, a lot of people have put in a lot of effort and thought um, to create our clinical community. Um, and it really, it's great to reflect back and see how far our vision has come and also to see the opportunity for the future. So um, I really value all of your work, all of your inspiration, um, thoughts and, and support of our community and value you as nurse leaders and influencers in our company. We're really um, very lucky to have all three of you, Sandy, Sherry, and Laura, as our colleagues. So thank you for today. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to today's episode. I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play by searching the words, The Voice of Humana Nurses. And we'd love to hear from you as well. So send us an email at chiefnursingofficer at humana.com and give us your comments and your suggestions about topics or people you want to hear about or hear from. So until next time, be well. <laughs>